can't all sleep. Yeah, I I just drink coffee. I'll, like right now, I'm drinking black coffee, and I'll probably probably fall asleep while I'm talking to you. At some point, <laughs> Tom will have to edit it out. <laughs> oh, long day. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good over it. Long day listening to death metal. I was getting ready. Yeah, no, I had a good day in uh, in that regard, man. I was uh, I was re-listening to everything, trying to like kind of get my thoughts straight. It's good stuff. Yeah, I um, well, we'll we'll get into it. Um, let's let's go for the cold. You want to just go for the cold intro while we're rolling here? Yeah, sure. Because this is Big Will. This is Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host Dave Gladding. How are you, Dave? I'm doing all right. I uh, I just watched a Komodo dragon eat a deer whole on the internet. A Komodo dragon? They get that big that they could do that? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I got a. I, I feel like at some point when I was a kid, I thought dinosaurs were awesome, and as an adult, I didn't follow through with large reptiles. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a reptile guy, really, but um. Yeah, you, know, you just one of those things. You just scroll the internet, and yeah, I saw the title, and I was like, "Holy shit, that thing is eating a fucking deer!" Like, just gobble, gobble, gobble. Like, not even showing <laughs> it or anything. Just and you're sure this wasn't a deep fake, a deer fake? Yeah, I mean, anything's possible, you know. It's <laughs> the internet. Did you show your kids? You know, nah, they're uh, they're in bed already. Okay, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't want to scare them with that. That's crazy. I gotta look that up. You gotta show me the link later. Komodo dragon. Like, you know they got Shark Week. There should be like Komodo Dragon Week. Yeah, I mean, I knew those things were pretty like uh, dangerous. I guess like, I don't I don't know how to describe like an animal like that. But like, yeah, they're like a like a big predator. So I know they're large too. I but, uh, I might be wrong, but I I think I might have read once that like if they bite you, they have so much bacteria in their teeth that you're 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 done. I feel like I've heard that also. Yeah, whenever na- reading the same books, nasty breath, like yeah, nasty, like a guy, uh, like a guy we know out there in Patchogue. I don't want to shout the afterbirth and the never-ending Whoa. teeth. Never, never-ending teeth is based on a true story out there. Um, Jeez, but yeah, we got. We're listen. We're getting comfy because me and Dave are bringing you um, a long death metal episode tonight uh, in the in the spirit of Heavy Hole Podcast. We got a couple of topics we wanted to address, and Dave, I did. Do my background on Grony Bard. Nice. The band that you recommended to me. We're gonna we're gonna crack the case on that one. Is it too fun for me to enjoy objectively? A shout out to Grony Bard, but every time I was making notes, I would like cross out whatever descriptor I was using to describe anything about them. I'd cross it out and put silly. Because <laughs> I feel like every word I tried to use just didn't feel right. You know, it, it's a little. I don't want to. You know, again, uh, they're doing their thing. I, I'm not. I'm not hating. This is more of like my my stance as a listener. Is it too? Am I too much of an old curmudgeon to appreciate silly gore grind anymore? Um, and we're also going to get into some overshadowed albums. Um, some albums like there's there's an album by an artist and it's like a legacy crazy album that everyone loves. But then there was that other album they dropped at some point that kind of. It was good. You know, they, it wasn't so bad. Give it a shot. We're going to talk about a few of those. And I got a long list of upcoming shows and things, Dave. So um, without further ado, you kind of gave us the setup on this band, Grony Bard from France. Long running, I guess, porno, gore grind, kind of carnival atmosphere, silly band. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I'm not really sure how they describe themselves. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're essentially a, a grind band from France. 
uh, an offshoot of the uh, the 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 normal grind band called uh, War Scars. But uh, yeah, they're they're um, I guess more silly, experimental. Uh, ex- uh, yeah, I don't know how how really to describe it. The uh, I mean, do you have a better word for it? Um, I don't, but Metal Archives may. So I'm like, I'm re- I'm I'm doing the research kind of like on the fly here because I I'm familiar with Grony Bart. I remember they dropped their first album back in the early 2000s. It was kind of a hit for us in Biolich. Um, we yeah, thought, we thought I think it was- I think you guys were the ones that turned it on to me as well. Yeah, I would probably. I think that might have been Dan Olivenzi. He was always ahead of the curve with the gore grind. They go back to '98 with their demo. I think their self-titled uh, full-length Grony Bard in 2001 might have been the one we got into around yeah. that time. They they did some splits, EPs, live albums. We are French Fuck You in 2008. Um, this new one, I'm gonna mispronounce it because it's in French. I, uh, regardless, Holmes uh, Sousset, uh full-length 2022. They're gonna have a laugh at that over in France. Um, and they're on season of missed records. Very, this is the thing that got me when they announced this a few months ago was Grony Bard is back. Um, uh, you know, they, they kind of, well, they're, they're not, they, you know, they were around the, the last few years in 2020, but they're, they're, they just pop up on season of missed records, which is more, I thought known for this, like uh, things that I, I guess are a little bit of a more highbrow art end of metal and extreme music is that a mischaracterization you think no i think you're right it's uh yeah a european uh metal label i i feel like they are more they do tend to lean more like black metal or melodic death metal or like doom or something like that like i I don't i'm not really familiar with their uh you know their roster i I know i've definitely i definitely own uh albums (laughs) from them but i can't if you ask me to, to to name something off the top of my head, I couldn't name it. But um, yeah, I mean they're an established label. They're they gotta be pretty big too. So, well, they they are mean? they are a French label, um, dating back to '96. So this is all like they're you know this is kind of like this French inner circle. They must be they must be you know um connected or they must respect this. And going back, I mean yeah, see I'm looking now 1349 a bat, um. Uh, who, who do we got here? Um, Cannabis Corpse, uh, Confessor, Cynic, Defiled. I mean, you got a lot of big names. Uh, George Colias, uh, Green Carnation, and there they are. Grony Bard, Hate Eternal. So it's yeah, it's it's Mork grinning. Murm- uh, now I'm just Nat Frost. I could go on forever, but I think you're just making words up now. Yeah, Those I was. Those ones weren't even real words. I'm inventing a language, like J.R. Uh, R. Token did um, for a, for an upcoming album I'm writing. But that's a whole other story. But I'm just making the point. It was so weird when Grony Bar popped up. They got this new album. It's silly, but Dave, you you were you hit me up in the text a few weeks ago, and this is where this whole conversation originated. And uh, you were like, you were like, hey man, you ever check out Grony Bard? I was like, yeah, it was a little silly for me. And you were like, what, what did you say? You, you tried to, um, uh, I don't have the text anymore. But you were like, think of it as as, as raw grind or something. Yeah, I, I, I know, I don't, I remember the conversation. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I do sort of because you were sort of like not not really enthusiastic about it because <laughs> you thought it was like silly gore grind because they. They do feature um, like pitch shifted vocals heavily, but I was sort of saying that it was not. Don't think of them as like a core grind band because, I mean, they're not. They're just not. Like it's if you look at any of the artwork or the 
anything. It's just not that, you know, but um, it's just like, it's like weird grind that just happens. So like one of the things they, they have is like sort of like some gore grind influence. I love the artwork for their first album, by the way, that kind of like weird kind of gonzo like porno grind surgical weird art um cartoon for for the yeah it's like a first album like like a yeah like a cartoon of like a surgery like a plastic surgery or something like that if i remember now i actually i think i bought that from will raymer when he had his distro tables out at at shows at um uh, i don't even know where that would have been in the early 2000s maybe maybe lamore's i don't even know but um regardless at Biolid shows, I used to buy stacks from stacks of CDs from Will, uh, and I think I'm, I think Adam might have ended up with my copy of that CD because I'm sorry and I apologize. It was a little too silly for me. It's that's just that's just where that where this is going, and, and we've talked about this before on Heavy Old. It's just like I can't, I don't know, man. And, and Dave, you actually, I probably wouldn't have checked this out, but I listened to that that new album of theirs today. There's like some singles out there on YouTube people can check out for themselves. Um, they debuted. They 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 had a song, Last Gaze of Humanity. I kind of see where they're going with the song titles and all this. It's like this tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, making fun of everything. I I, I get it. Everyone's got to have fun, but you got to admit, one of the albums, one of the the Gore Grind album that we're going to discuss later for the Overshadowed albums, like when when you're used to serious kind of atmospheric Gore Grind albums, like like General Surgery or something like that, there's there's grown bar stuff. I listen to it, man. It hits, but it just the the silliness kills the atmosphere for me. Yeah, no, I I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I don't disagree because I actually, especially this, I love the first album. It really was like real straightforward. It was heavy. It had a lot of cool, like groovy parts in it. But um, the new one, I got uh, our friend Paulo sent it to me, and uh, I was listening to it, and I was just like it's just not doing it for me. Cause it's really, I forgot. I, I actually, I had to, I, I went back and I looked and I totally forgot that they had albums between the self-titled one and this new one. I, yeah. so I was like, what, they haven't done an album in like 20 years and they're just putting this out, this thing. And it's kind of all a little more all over the place musically. It's not quite as like, I don't want to say it's not focused, but it's like, it, it, it doesn't uh, fit as neatly into, you know, like a particular genre. <laughs> it's you know what's even like more frustrating for me it's good it's yeah. really fucking good grind uh with catchy parts it's got that european gore grind thing um and it's was, are you familiar with contrastic yeah they're they were from their check they're band ch- right the, the check band yeah but i was sort of that was the uh the comparison that kept coming to my mind like they the two bands don't sound alike but they're both fucking great songwriters and they just sort of, you know, contrasting is way more into like uh, electronica and keyboards and kind of like techno beats and things like that, things of that nature. Yeah. But like, you know, Grona Bar just is way more into the, the different kind of vocals. That's their, <laughs> their main thing. So like, yeah, you know, they're, they got a great song and like, you know, it's got like good choruses and, all kinds of all kinds of stuff and layers of vocals but it's just fucking weird vocals like guys yelling in french and there's pitch shifters like go making the vocals low there's pitch shifters making the vocals high there's like that silly voice there's you know something else it's just you know that's just what they do but it's just 
yeah, I was listening to it and like I what was I gonna say? Yeah, um, but yeah, like I had to go back and listen to the other albums, um, Satanic Tuning Club and Fuck You, We Are French. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like I guess appreciate the new one because it's sort of like they were they you, you could sort of see where they were going from album to album to this one. It's a little bit more uh is my my cat. Can you yeah. hear my cat? Yeah, dude, yeah, your All cat right. your cat is in the house. That's good. People like cats, yeah. it's fine. It's the internet. All right. Cats are on the internet, it's great. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it is um it's not as like I guess the music isn't as strictly like the same style of like beefy grind that the first album was. But it's you know, it's melodic. There's like it's it's just good. It's it's a uh, very well written, but it's still grown of art. Yeah, and again, like I'm, I don't want this to come across like I'm hating on them because it's Grony Bard. Friend, you know, shout to Dan Olivencia and all my Gore Grind friends and all the listeners who probably like all that sort of thing, man. And we're gonna we're gonna plug the Barely Breathing Festival coming up later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, just something about this, man. Like, and it's like even more frustrating to me that they. Um, are so sick because these are obviously guys like you said. I didn't even realize this. I guess some of them were in this band. What's this? Uh, War scars. I'm looking it up now. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, you could tell by the writing and everything going on that these guys know their way around grindcore. It's one of those uh, European bands that they're they can they can really write songs and write catchy parts. The production is on point. It's solid gore grind. And at the end of the day, it's a little too clown time for me because I'm a bitter old guy. Um, but I'll, uh, and, and again, I'm just going to say, say how much I love the artwork on their self-titled first album. That really was, was cool, but they, it's just something. And you know, what? I'm even going to say something here, man. And, and this is going to get me maybe hated on by some of the gore grind people. I can't listen to gut that much anymore, man. It's really hard to get around all the samples and the kind of like weird clown time sense of humor stuff with gut. I have less of a tolerance for any kind of humor in my gore grind, man. Yeah, you know, I didn't even hear Gut until well after first hearing Gronobard. And I remember, I kind of remember when I first heard Gronobard, people were kind of like, oh, yeah, they're just kind of ripping off Gut. And I was like, hmm. you know, whatever. And then, because uh, the only time, the only way I'd heard Gut was I have a, uh, like on a VHS tape, I have like an old Gut re- like rehearsal from like <laughs> the, the early 90s or late 80s. And it's, you know, there's no techno or anything or anything weird. There's no samples. There's no pitch shifter. It's just like really stripped down. But uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I got kind of just like blew that off. But then I finally heard Gut like fairly recently and like listened to like an entire album. And I was kind of like, all right, I get the uh, the comparison to a uh, to a uh, Gronobard. I, I gotta ask, there's- was was that the VHS compilation that also had like? uh regurgitate i think and it had a few other bands on it no it was just a um like it was a a, something i traded with somebody else so it was just like this i think it was like a 15 minute rehearsal video of uh of them like jamming i'm not even sure i watched the entire thing more than once tape trading was wild yeah all right okay so um all right, so so like I said, and in a way, we're just kind of promoting this new album uh, for them to, on our platform, man. So I'm not hating, but um, this is kind of like a recurring theme. We've talked about like Last Days of Humanity. I saw them live at Maryland Death Fest many years ago, and there was like blow-up dolls and people in masks. And it's just like, maybe it's like sensory overload for me. I You know, I discovered Gore Grind um, in Huntington Station 
uh, in, in Adam's uh, room. Uh, we used to drink 40s and listen to Carcass Rika Putrefaction. It was like very, uh, you know, like as nihilistic as you can get for suburban teenagers. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm joking, but it's, it, it was, there was something about gore grind that wasn't fun for me personally as a listener. I just want it to be atmospheric in a way, I guess. And that's why I like a lot of those scrappy Brazilian bands that we talk about, like sarcastic and rotting flesh. Um, I don't know, man. So that's my closing thoughts. I'll give the floor to you one more time on this and then we'll leave it up to the listener. Yeah, I'm kind of with you overall on the um the silliness about like like live shows with the blow up dolls and the the Borat bathing suits and stuff in in a lot of gore <laughs> grind. But I think uh you know I think this is it's like it's almost like it's it's like silly but it's mature at the same time you know because it's 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 very well written and played and you know good it's sounds good so it's like it's. It's uh, that's why I keep saying silly. It's like it's silly. It's not like a joke. Yeah, there's a professional quality to it. You know, it's like it's like they're they're professional grind comedians in a way. Yeah, you know, I yeah. But uh, the, the, the only thing that I will say that I didn't really like about the the album was the last track is uh, it's like a joke cover of a mayhem song, and I was just like, that that kind of felt like low hanging fruit if there's any on the album, like, it's just like, Oh really? We're still making fun of black metal, you know? Yeah. But yeah, you know, like, if that's the only thing that was really that, that I could find that was like bad about it, then it's not a, sorry. Cats, yo, your, your cat's bugging over there, but it's fine. Um, and we'll listen, we'll leave it up to the listener. Uh, I guess at this point forward to, to check out Grony Bart. And I, I'll close with this thought. I would love to see them play live with Pink Mass, um, who we recently interviewed Trevor of, man. Uh, you know, I think that would that would be a, they wouldn't they wouldn't be exactly doing the same thing, but it would be a great combo um, for like for like a double headliner show. Yeah, I, I think thematically, like as far as the live show goes, because when they played at Maryland Death Fest, they were wearing uh, they were all wearing dresses. And I think that was because, I guess, you know, because they, 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 they used to play nude like way back in the day. And uh, I guess, you know, I'm sure that the MDF guys were kind of like, yeah, please don't do that here because <laughs> yeah, well, it's not, it's not, it's like a different culture, you know? Well, the, 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 I'm not sure what year that was, but they had experience, some experience, allegedly, you can go back, we interviewed Paulo Paguntalan, who you brought up before, and he told his story of performing, um, allegedly, in the nude at one of the Maryland Death Fest, I believe it was a pre-show back in the day. Um, so that, yeah, it's, 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 it's an old hat over there for MDF. Maybe they didn't want to, maybe they didn't want to meet the health inspector again. I don't know. Yeah, and I I think you know for in Paula's case it was a it's a, it's a, it, it tends to be a surprise when he does it, you mm. know I think when the entire venue was waiting for Gronobard to play they were like I I thought like there was like a chant telling them to take their clothes off. Wow! So like pe- people were kind of expecting it more, so I think that that might have you know and this is all hearsay like I'm not I, I I don't know that they had a conversation with the Maryland Death Fest guys or not, but I do sort of remember that you know they they there was talk and then they, they came out on stage and they were all wearing uh, dresses. So 
Now, cloaks. now they're doing something where they wear like pink cloaks. You're, I, you know what? I saw that photo. That the, they kind of look like uh, that band Sun. Yeah, I, I'm wondering. It, it, it almost seems like they're making fun of like you know, like Ghost and all these bands that are kind of doing something like that. I mean, those bands are pretty fucking stupid. So, <laughs> you know, allegedly. Well, I, I think we should, we'll leave it here for the listeners, man. We'll, we'll, we'll drop in some Grony Bard right here. All right, and then we're back. Um, so yeah, so so take take it or leave it with Grony Bard. Cheers to them on their uh, new album they just released on Season of Mist Records. And moving forward now, uh, Dave, we we kind of also brainstormed with this other concept we wanted to talk about these overshadowed albums. Um, and to give you an example, we'll we'll just I'll list them. I'll list the first one off right now. Um, these are albums by bands where you probably have a favorite album by them if one of their albums is not your personal favorite. I'll put it that way if you're a big death metal fan. Uh, and we're talking about some albums that maybe are overshadowed and maybe are your favorite album if you truly are the cultist sickest dude in the room. Because the first one up is Morbid Angel, uh, Abominations of Desolation. Um, they're allegedly first album. If you go back, we interviewed Mike Browning of Nocturnus uh a little over a year ago and he according to him it is their first album according to trey agazathoth i'm sure i said that wrong uh, according to trey it is their demo album and most songs on this have been re-recorded in one form or another on later albums um so i um brought this i believe if i'm right it was recorded in 86 or 85 or 86 but wasn't released until 91 um, and the label, uh, Earache, I guess, wanted to put it out in 91 because they were starting to see some success with Morbid Angel, uh, and they put it out as their unreleased first album. So it's kind of like allegedly their first album. You can go back and listen to Mike Browning talk about it in our interview with him from a while back. So, Dave, I brought this up, and I'll, I'll kind of give you the floor on that now, too. I wanted to know your thoughts. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go throw my cat out. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's all right, because I clapped, and I'm going to ask Tom to put the music in right there. So the listeners just got a little taste of that Morbid Angel Abominations of Desolation quote-unquote demo album. Um, but yeah, I recommended this to you, Dave, and I got a little more info on it, but um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, you, When you were first telling me about it, you said it was like more of like a death thrash kind of vibe. And 
yeah kind of it's um you know mike browning's drumming is definitely way different than uh pete sandoval's but um you know it it worked it was uh, i mean it, it does have a, a kind of like a demo feel to it just because you know it's 1986 and it's kind of it's a little clunky sounding but overall i mean they're that's it's morbid angel i mean they didn't change from from this album to uh to alters or anything like that it's stylistically basically the same yeah um I, it's it's really interesting to me man to to go back and listen to this and there was i was all i'm gonna say is i have a fascination with bootlegs lately um and i was trying to like do research on one that i saw somewhere before i bought it i didn't end up buying it but it was from some old sketchy era in like 85 when they were playing a lot of covers live and stuff like that still and the reason i bring that up is because when you listen to this to me personally like you said mike browning of nocturnus does drums and pretty impressive death metal vocals for the era I might add, he was a little bit ahead of his time in terms of brutality of the vocals. I think on this, I was I was really impressed that he was like able to play drums and sing the way he was because it's very, you know, like there's a lot of vocals. There's not a lot of breaks in in singing or anything like that. So it's it's impressive he was able to keep up. Yeah, because the bass I, and all the stuff. I believe at that point he was doing vocals live, and that was the ambition of the. I mean, you know, obviously in Nocturnus he just kept doing vocals and drums. That's his thing. So, yeah, impressive guy, uh, Mike Browning, and we had a long interview with him um, uh, that we were very proud to present here on Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, Trey um, Zagthoth on, on lead guitars, Richard Brunel lead guitars, Sterling Von Scarborough on bass, that era of the band. And like I said, like Mike Browning wasn't doing the, the full-on, they weren't doing the full-on grindcore influence blast beat all the time type of thing. It was a little more threat. I got to say... Maybe this is ignorant of me. Maybe the Florida people are going to say I'm crazy. It reminds me a lot of Hell Witches, um, another album I'm going to mispronounce, Sisreal Miscreancy or whatever that album, the uh, classic first Hell Witch album, um, which also is is kind of like a technical thrash proto-death metal album, in my opinion, that occasionally genre skips between like this progressive thrash death and like has still has some remnants of old school punk hardcore venom merciful fate things in there and there's things on this out on this abominations of desolation that i was saying to myself that's almost like grindcore that's almost like hardcore that riff and then there's things where i'm like that's almost like a merciful fate kind of influence or old school venom type of thing they still weren't full on they hadn't got to the point yet where they were pushing the limits of what you could do with death metal and defining it for a generation yeah, and I think also like what you're saying about the the like the, the influences shining through a little bit more. I think that the 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 more like sort of regular metal drumming for I don't know how to but like the not blast beats all the time drumming that they, they move to, but the regular drumming like the the punk influence or the you know the the venom influence or the merciful fate influence kind of shines through a little bit because it's not uh it, it's just it's like it's uh it just seems like the it's fuck what am i saying well what it's uh like, like but you know what i'm saying like it, it's uh if you play like a punk a, a punk riff with a blast beat it's grindcore but if you play a punk beat with a or i'm sorry a punk riff with a punk beat it's a punk beat it's a punk song you know so like if they're playing like a slower beat and it's with a merciful fate riff it might sound more like a merciful fate riff 
than if it was had blast beats over it. Exactly. It was kind of. I know exactly what you're saying because it's kind of like it, t- it took me a little while to get there. But I, you know, <laughs> it's all right, man. The cat. The, sometimes the cats calm you down and help you think. As noisy as they were, um, now you're stressed out. But um, yeah, I know what you mean because once you get to um, what we'll call like the the classic canon of Morbid Angel albums. Um, they, it's like they turn up the adrenaline, they turn up the blast beats, they turn up the tempo to 11 on everything. It's it's full-on blasting death metal, and it kind of laid the template for what a lot of people uh, considered death metal uh, after that. As a matter of fact, you know, Morbid Angel, some people might even look at it as one of the death metal bands that really left Thrash behind and just was a full-on death metal band, you know, in, in, so to speak. You know, that's a whole argument for a different day, but I'm just making the point that this Abominations of Desolation, it's not an understatement to say that it has some of that thrash metal and classic 80s in it still, and it's a really fun, nostalgic listen in that sense. Um, and it's if you're a fan of uh, Morbid Angel and, like, you know, to listen to this and then listen to Altars of Madness and uh, Blessed Are the Sick, Covenant, whichever one of those is your favorite of the um, the original three, it's fun to hear some of those songs redone, too, because you can check them out and see how they sound um, kind of, like, revitalized and re-death metalized. It's, it's kind of a cool piece of history and something that, obviously, the band themselves didn't want to release and was a little controversial within their circle for a while and still is maybe to this day. Um, in terms of uh, um, the differences of opinion, um, you can listen to what Mike Browning had to say about it himself. But it's definitely worth a listen for the listeners, man. An overshadowed album, Morbid Angels, Abominations of Desolation, their quote-unquote demo album. Uh, any closing thoughts, Dave? Nope. You, uh, you covered uh, it, man. Good all right. Stuff. Sweet, man. And since we're kind of rolling ahead of time, you had to kick the cats out. So while you were doing that, I played this album for the listeners. We're going to roll right in and give the listeners a sample of uh, Dehumanized Controlled Elite from 2012 on Comatose Music um, right now. So, Dave, that was Dehumanized from Queens, New York, a band that people who listen to the podcast are probably familiar with, if not fans of. I know you and I, we have like a personal history of having seen them live when we were younger and all that sort of thing. We could talk Dehumanized for a while now. So um, let's let's get into it, man. Everyone knows that Prophecies Foretold, what was that, 98? 99? Yeah. Um, Prophecies Foretold. Uh, was their uh, first debut album, their their debut album, first album um, after the Terminal Punishment demo, uh, Hot Out the Gate. It was kind of symbolic of that big Castle Heights, Queens. Castle Heights was a venue for death metal and hardcore in Queens in the late 90s, symbolic of that era. Um, it's a classic death metal album. And, and obviously it took 14 years for them to follow it up with this controlled elite album, uh, and this is our, our second overshadowed album pick. I have some information about it, and I want to get into the lineup a little bit and what I like about it, but I want to get your hot take, Dave. Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's an, it's a dehumanized album. It's, uh, <laughs> it's if anything, it's, you know, it, it's not that different from 
prophecies foretold, you know, made like, I, I, I think the songwriting got better. Hmm. If you want to say that, like, again, like the, if you want to call it like song craft, not so much like the riff writing, but like putting it all together in that aspect. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great album. Yeah, um, I I love it, and this is why I brought it up. Like I said, it was their long-awaited follow-up. Um, it's in a way, it's never going to equal the hype and the atmosphere of the original '90s debut album and Castle Heights. This was a whole different era when it came out, and we're in a whole different era now. From that, this was ten years ago, but it is a worthy follow-up. Um, my good friend uh, from long ago, back in the day, in my first death metal band, uh, Paul Tavora, who played guitar in Cursed Earth, was in the band Dehumanized at this point, and uh, wrote uh, two of the songs and performed on this album, um, as was Anthony uh, uh, Kosu um, from uh, uh, Queens out there. And Mike Centrone did vocals, Anthony did bass. Uh, uh, good guys that I've seen around the scene, um, uh, even up till uh, uh, fairly lately, man. Shout out to everybody involved. And, of course, the classic dehumanized uh, uh, Rich Nagasawa and George Torres, the... Um, uh, classic two OG members who held it down all through the years. We've had requests to get them on, and I'll say behind the scenes, um, I have not reached out yet, but there's no reason not to. There's just a big backed-up list, so you might see them on the, on the podcast one day if they're so inclined. Um, but getting around to, to, to the album, I think the main gripe that I could have with this album, if I was going to pick it apart and hold it up to prophecies, would be the snare drum sound. Uh, which doesn't have that kind of characteristic poppy, pingy, um, slamming sound that you might want it to have. And the use of blatant kind of beat down hardcore. Um, Dude, that's groups. my, mm-hmm. that was like my, my one big note that I, I didn't like, again, about the songwriting okay. was that I felt like they, they really, a lot of good riffs, like obviously like, like Rich and Paul, they can write riffs. But it's like the, you know, the song's going along. It's got good momentum. And then there's just like this, the fucking beatdown riffs kind of like take the uh, the momentum out of the song. Mm. You know, like it slows down or stops and then starts up again and just repeats and repeats and repeats. And it's just like, eh, you know, that's the one thing that I didn't really care for about like, like if I had any complaint about their music. Yeah, and re-listening to it, I I can see what you're saying, but my kind of like rebuttal to that, um, you know, I was thinking about it, and it's like they they to me dehumanized, especially with prophecies and with the demo, were always kind of like New York City by way of uh, the borough of Queens's answer to suffocation. Uh, in my in my like way of listening to death metal as a fan, that's kind of how I saw it, because they had that. They had the guitar chops, um, they had the drum chops. Like I said, the, the that core of Rich and George always held dehumanized kind of like a, a, a standard higher than just like your average slamming death metal band, your average brutal death metal band. There was a technicality and a showmanship and a song craft, like you said, that did get better on this album. The exaggerated breakdowns and kind of hardcore influence um it's it's almost philosophical is like is it like is it really that out of character for dehumanized to do a beat down you know they're kind of like in a way they're almost like new york's answer to dying fetus they came up in in queens new york in in the late 90s playing castle heights with hardcore bands with beat down band with irate 
you know, it was like like let's be real here. We know. I mean, if anyone knows what the deal is, it's you and me who kind of grew up going to some of these shows and seeing what it was about with Dehumanized. It almost makes sense that if they progressed in songcraft, they also got a little more ignorant with the with the with writing for the crowd and writing for their element. It's like it was almost like the the Queen's way of getting more technical. They also had to get more ignorant as they got more interesting. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, it it does. And that was my my, the one thing that was in the back of my mind every time I was listening to the album and I was like, you know, it's like, oh, like great stuff, but like I'm not into the beatdown riffs was like I was kept thinking to myself, it's like, why the fuck am I saying I like, why is this band writing beatdown riffs? It's like it's fucking dehumanized. Yeah. You know, like they were when you go to see them at Castle Heights and shit, they would like bring their own crew. They'd like yep. mop the floor with everybody in the fucking venue. You know, they were a fucking like a slam band. Can, can I say this? The And I say this with all due respect because I love Vomit Remnants. But when Vomit Remnants came out in the 90s, kind of hyping the hip hop influenced, you know, b- bucket hat, you know, hip hop kind of um, gangster slam death metal thing. I felt like it was almost a direct um uh influence of dehumanized because dehumanized is the real life version of that they're the real life version of like hip-hop hardcore queens new york but it's brutal death metal and it's technical and it's really good you know what i mean like you're right those guys did bring their own crew those shows were brutal those shows were crazy they got out of control um and they you know just for the listeners too who maybe aren't from the area queens is you know you know known for having a rich history of hip hop of hardcore and a lot of it is really raw shit you know it's not really known for being maybe the more sh- polished shiny uh manhattan uh version of things or or whatever you want to say i don't want to get into and in, in all that but queens is kind of like that's where a lot of um you know capone and noriega and nas and and uh, uh you know I, 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 we won't start a whole hip hop discussion with the humanized, but I'm just making the impression that um, for them to kind of get more brutal and encourage the crowd a little bit more in their songwriting and think of the crowd more after having, you know, played fests and, you know, they they were a death fest band for a lot of those years between the albums too, you know, so they got to see what they could do live. It, it does make sense if you stand back. So um, that's kind of how I resolve the excessively <laughs> brutal uh, like what nowadays people would call beat down hardcore parts. Um, it's just it's just the beast you're you're listening to. And I got to shout out Paul Tavora. He wrote, um, apparently according to the credits, I guess Body Colonizers, the second track, and um, what is it? one two three four five six seven Root of Evil, if I got that right, the eighth track, and did a few solos throughout. I've spoken about Paul Tavora and my experience when I was very young, much younger than those guys when I joined Cursed Earth. Um, kind of embarrassed myself because they were really ahead of their time. Paul is an amazing guitarist. I'm sure he still is to this day. Shout out to him. And um, maybe you can just get a hint of that because he really keeps up with Rich here. Rich, an amazing guitarist in his own right, and it's great to hear these two guys um, kind of uh, um, play with one another and um, uh, uh, mix with one another in, in the songwriting a little bit and some of the soloing that they trade off. This was a great era when D- when Paul was working with Dehumanized. I, I just felt it was right. Anthony Cousseau, um, another gr- a great bass player in that regard. He trucked it out with them for a long time. And Mike Santrone, Dehumanized went through a number of vocalists. If I remember it right, um, uh, what was his name? The, the guy who sang on the... Uh, 
on the demo oh geez it, well it, no i think on the demo it was actually rich and george rich and george and then there was that, that actually guy. did the vocals did somebody else do vocals also there was i think there was a guy who maybe was a guest singer and he ended up singing for them for a while and for some reason i can't remember his name then they got the guy jerry they had a few different people through the years is it mike zuzio yeah zuzio hey right zuzio man wow man i'm glad i got you on here man you know all this all the same shit um yeah yeah zuzio uh sang for them for a while first time i saw them saw them well he was like the like for some people i think he was like the original singer for when they started playing live well that was the first time i saw them in 96 yeah uh he was singing for them yeah yeah it was was also they had the guy dave who was also in immortal suffering okay what the guy's last name is and then there was a the bass player whose name i didn't know but um but yeah you're right and then um they got the it was the lineup that was on prophecies foretold like i jerry and uh tom toscano yeah on guitar. yeah and tom had been in um uh, oh, uh umbilical strangulation umbilical stra- thank you what an idiot umbilical strangulation with chris chris yeah umbilical strangulation broke up and tom toscano joined dehumanized and chris michaels started um cursed earth with paul tavora or joined Cursed Earth with Paul Tavor, and then I then I kind of came in the picture shortly after that, um, and was lucky enough to see some of those shows at Castle Heights. Wow, bringing back the memories now, and of course I got to shout out John Colette, um, uh, tried and true uh, New York death metal scene guy out here, always at the shows uh, and, and keeps in touch through the years. Big shout out to him. Got to get him on the show eventually too, John Colette. Um, uh, from hey, I Ni- just want to uh, nightmare. I just get, no. I'm sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. I got to cut you off. I just want to shout out John Colette's band, Nightmarer, for everybody. I'm sorry. Go ahead, buddy. Right. I got to check that band out. Um, no, I, I just wanted to um, point out that like the the songs you were pointing out before uh, with Paul that Paul wrote, you can really tell that he wrote those songs. He's got one of those styles mm-hmm. of writing that if you've heard any of his other bands like Cursed Earth or he was in that band Dark Supremacy for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he has like a very distinct uh, writing style. It's like very, it's it's fast. It's the only way I can really describe it. Like, <laughs> and it's not like speed picking fast. It's like he's like individual note picking and like a lot of a lot of left hand fret work and stuff like that. Like you can hear it on the the dehumanized songs that he wrote. Yeah, like the riffs are like you're like oh that's a Paul riff. That's sounds like something that he would write. But um yeah, the guy's got a real distinct style and it's kind of a bummer he's not in a band right now because he he really was a very good guitar player one of the most underrated and and um uh unfortunately you know you know maybe somebody who could have contributed more to to death metal uh, over the years but he's you know he's got a lot of other things i guess going on in his life as we all do and uh put his focuses elsewhere but i you know i would hope that um maybe one day we see more from from him in terms of guitar work because he is a unique talent and it would be a shame if somebody bootlegged some of my old Cursed Earth tapes one day. Um, we'll have to see. But uh, so, I, yeah, I wanted to just um, talk about this dehumanized controlled elite a little bit. And, um, you know, also, you know, we had to kind of like, I, you know, we were doing three albums tonight. I didn't want to get down the whole dehumanized wormhole. But um, Beyond the Mind from, I believe, 2016, that wasn't too shabby either. Uh, you know, they, they, they got a pretty tough discography. No, yeah, they uh, dehumanized are no slouches in the in the album department, man. They, they everything they do is is really good. It's actually, it, excuse me, um, it's kind of a shame that for the length of time that they were together, that they didn't 
do more, mm. have more releases. I was actually thinking about this when I was uh, making my notes is that it, when you look at uh, that prophecies foretold was in uh excuse, excuse me, prophecies foretold was in uh, 1998. And then this album was in 2012 and they had a demo sort of like evenly between those two albums and like yeah. the, in the aughts, which was like demos of the songs that ended up on that album. I was kind of had me thinking that things like that are like reasons why I feel like more bands have to take advantage of other formats that aren't full length releases. You know what I mean? Because they, they must've been sitting on some of those songs for 12 years, you know, yeah. before they recorded them. Like they could have put out probably, they could have put out a split seven inch. They could have put out a, like a CD EP, a tape, uh, you know, yeah, like, uh, uh, you know, and I know like it, it's some bands don't want to go back to writing, like, to doing like those smaller releases once they have like a, a, a full length album out on a, on a actual record label. But it just seems it's, you know, if you, it, it, it that's, and that's like a, a thing that I have. That's like, sort of, I'm like, cause you know that they lost songs in that mm. period where they like, they probably wrote songs, played them for years, played them live, probably even recorded them. But then they they never made the cut when there was when they kept writing more songs. You know what I, I mean? I I gotta well I again I'm gonna play devil's advocate because I will lament with you that there probably could have been maybe a cool split seven inch with like Mortal Decay or Malignancy or someone maybe you know you know the opportunity was definitely there if they wanted to go that route or do an EP or something like that or even a live album because they've always been a sick live band a dehumanized live bootleg mm, I I don't know if that even exists but I would pay good live, money for that live video would probably work for them I feel like a yeah. live recording it's like you know they're great they're great musicians so it just be like they they're, they play super clean yeah and they just you know all would be is like. You, you don't hear mosh mosh pits or anything like that. It'd be like a lot more like, you know, I don't know, fuck it up in somebody, between verses. Somebody get body slammed into the soundboard at one point and it'll break yeah. your break your speakers. But um but yeah, I'll play devil's advocate to that. So like there there could have definitely been some cool little releases in the middle, but it also leaves you with this impress impressive trilogy of albums. It's kind of just like a nice, pure standalone discography of three albums. One from the late '90s that's kind of classic, and these two from later on that represent their um, second wind of their career. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think there's something to be said for that too. Kind of like all killer, no filler, you know. No, yeah, that, that's and that that is a good point. You know, it is. You know, like looking back, you'll be like, these are three great albums. You know, and it's not like, oh, I never got that demo, or I never got. It's like, they're not a Gothicles or something where they're doing splits six times a year or something like that. They. <laughs> But uh, you know, like, like it's it would be it would have been nice to think that like I was like oh maybe there could have been another release in there you know even like an EP or something like that yeah yeah well they, you, uh, you never know too because I as far as I know I believe they broke up several times over the years and came back so you never know Mandy one one day one yeah. day dehumanized might might knock again you know I just knows? keep thinking about that um when they had uh Josh Pratt from Evolution singing mm -hmm. and uh. That guy, uh, Sean, that was he played bass in Fallen Christ. Oh wow, Fallen Christ! You're throwing it back. He with was Fallen Christ. He was playing bass for them, and I was like, it'd be really cool if that lineup was like actually documented on a release. But you know, what if? Well, again, it would be shame if somebody made some bootlegs. 
um, uh, allegedly. But who knows? Because I, yeah, I got some weird tapes in my collection too. I remember that when that guy Josh moved down. That that evolution. What was it? Shrine of is it Shrine of Desecration or something? What was that? That scene? Yeah, that, that's it. Shrine of De- Desecration by Evolution. I believe I've talked about it on some episodes somewhere of this podcast. But that it's is a, it's a great fucking album from Connecticut, um, which maybe isn't known. Uh, maybe a lot of underrated bands uh, that people don't know from Connecticut, I guess. But uh, Connecticut has its own death metal history, and that Evolution album just uh, a classic, a flawless classic of of beautiful atmospheric death metal. And that guy ended up, and he's dude. I I literally asked him when he moved down here to New York to join Dehumanized. I said, "Did you use a pitch shifter or some sort of vocal effect on the Evolution album?" And he said, "No." And I could hear it now, I guess, listening to it. But he was deep, man. Yeah, yeah. He he really was. Uh, he would have been a great. Uh, a great person to have in dehumanized for like a stretch of time and actually, you know, maybe evolve with the band a little bit, but you know, that's not how things work out. Yeah. I saw them live with him a few times, man. Again, like we were talking, there was that era where there was a lot of different singers, but Mike Centrone held it down uh, for that album. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm ready. You know, we're ready to move on. I guess we've been doing the, de- I knew we would fall into the dehumanized wormhole for a while. Cause that's right next door in Queens there. Um, but, uh, again, you never know. I'm crossing my fingers. Maybe we'll get one of those guys or both of them on the podcast at some point. Who knows? Uh, but for now you can go back and check out their trifecta of great death metal albums. Um, the, the last two of which perhaps might be overshadowed in some nineties death metal fans hearts. Dave, any closing arguments on this dehumanized album? You don't have it. You should go get it. Cause it's great. <laughs> awesome, man. So, um, Luckily for this next album we're going to discuss, it actually has the best intro of all time. So uh, let's roll it. Dead Infections, Surgical Disembowelment, first full length, October 1993, Morbid Records, classic cult, gore grind, grind, and death metal label, Morbid Records. We could do a whole, like, three-episode series on Morbid Records if we wanted to and probably still not cover everything. Um, If you look up Morbid Records, it's like the whole history of grindcore and and gore grind in the 90s and into the 2000s. But Dead Infection, everyone knows, um, released a chapter of Accidents, which is, like, the go-to... A uh, beautiful um, example of gore grind and all of history that everyone loves. But before that, they put out Surgical Disembowelment, uh, which in its own right is an amazing album and kind of the one that when I was listening to it today, I said, this is kind of more what I'm into. Grony Bard is great. Grony Bard's fans are wonderful people who have a great sense of humor. I'm sure they're fun to hang out with, but I prefer Dead Infection Surgical Disembowelment for that weird uh unearthly kind of atmosphere i got a lot more to say but dave i'm gonna let you go 
Yeah, um, I I own this album on vinyl, and I gotta say, bastard, um, you bastard. I was I was just thinking. Okay, go ahead. I I did not I did not pursue it. It just like <laughs> I happened to go in a record store, and it was just there. Oh, now, which record store? Just, it's one in Poughkeepsie. It's called Dark Side Records. God damn it! Okay. I got it a few years ago, but I'm I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. No, it's but, great. Uh, <laughs> it's this. It's great content, but I'm super jealous. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, but uh, you know, I haven't i hadn't listened to it that much i thought i'd listened to it more than i had but when i was listening to it to to make notes i was like you know besides the song um after accident which i think <laughs> appears on other might might appear in, on another release or I've, I've just heard more often but um it definitely it leans it it sounds like a bit more of like a death metal album yes, yes. uh you know and it really it kind of had me thinking of and uh, to go back to vhs stuff i have a copy of the death is just the the death is just the beginning one VHS tape, which had a lot of music videos and live performances from like nuclear blasts, early nineties, like early, like super early nineties uh, roster. So there's a lot of bands that like, I can't even think of the names of them, but uh, I'm thinking like uh, for some reason, pungent stench or uh, someone else. I don't know, but like it, that's those are the bands that kind of came to mind. Just those mm. early '90s European death metal, grindcore, whatever bands, or like it's sort of like what sprang to mind when I was listening to this album. And like you know, you could definitely hear uh, some parts here or there that like is where they kind of went with the the more straight up gore grind style. But like I, I was, it felt very like it, it, just like a good uh, like European early 90s death grind album to me yeah dude um yeah you know i'm a big fan of like uh bands like pathologist general surgery like i was saying before i like gore grind that sets a certain atmosphere a certain cold um dark uh horrific atmosphere uh and this is the thing dead infection does have a bit of a sense of humor in the lyrics and in the song titles at times, especially yeah. a chapter of accidents. That is actually uh, a hilarious uh, album lyrically. If you're into very dark, extreme humor, that is, you know, that I like, it, I, I'm actually thinking right now, maybe I should show my mom the lyrics of that album. Cause she's into like a lot of Stephen King and kind of, you know, it's like very, it's very dark and sarcastic and dry, but it is humorous. But it, my point is the humor with dead infection up till that point ended at the lyrics. After that, they got into like poppy seed cake and gas from ass. They were using the silly, they were just going for like lowbrow stuff. And I guess maybe that's also what it is. It's like you were saying before about Grony Bar doing the mayhem cover. There's a lot of low hanging fruit. Whereas I feel like Dead Infection was in this period where there are two demos, um, uh, uh, World of World of Remains and Start Human Slaughter, I think, were the titles. Um, were very death metal, and those are another thing that, are like, if like if you like where we're going with this talk, those are great, um, really lo-fi, bass-heavy, low-end, old-school, guttural death metal albums. They sound like soup. Um, and then with this Surgical Disembowelment album, you see them transitioning a little bit more into the grindcore influence that makes them gore grind. But the thing here, too, is that the guitars have this kind of like, it's almost like a mellow, laid-back distortion. It's so low-end and buzzy and fuzzy. And the vocals, Chapter of Accidents vocals, that's when they got the, um, I forget the guy's name, but they had, that's when they got the vocalist 
and um, he was very aggressive, very loud uh, uh, vocalist. Um, let, that, let was me- a, that was another thing. I didn't realize that they had a different vocalist on this album, and I was like, man, like I think the guy's name is Yarrow. Yeah, yeah, I, I apologize. Yarrow was the vocalist from a chapter of Accidents and probably like the most visible vocalist that they had for a long time um, in the band and, and during a lot of their live appearances uh, in the 90s when they were blowing up off of that album. But on Surgical Disembowelment, it was just um, Molly and uh, I guess at the time Kellner, the, the bass player, and Molly, the guitarist, uh, providing the vocals, which were more death metal, 100% more death metal, even like the kind of like uh, the the whispery kind of like throaty low end vocals like you might associate with immolation or incantation or something. They're evil sounding and they provide a totally different atmosphere for this gore grind, especially with that mellow, buzzy, fuzzy Eastern European uh, gore grind um, guitar sound that they have on this. And that all gives it the atmosphere that I'm longing for so much because I have no sense of humor. Um, so... Like I said, the sur- and, and also another thing here that complements it perfectly, I feel like, is the album cover. It has that stark clinical uh, surgical room. It's a photograph, and it has that dated kind of early '80s, like late '70s look to it. The you know the colors and the way the the way the the actual quality of the photo, and it has the awesome stylized. Um, graphic of the of the actual album title, Surgical Disembowelment, that kind of matches the logo there. It's one of the greatest death metal album covers of all time and is like just so understated, and, and it's great. I actually noticed uh, when I was flipping through my, my vinyl, I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep mentioning it, <laughs> uh, but they actually uh, credited a doctor for helping them get the photos huh. of the, I guess, the surgical room. Yeah that they use for the for the uh for the layout so i thought that was kind of cool that they actually didn't just like lift the photos from like an encyclopedia britannica or something like that wow all right that's so what is there like liner notes in the the vinyl uh yeah i mean nothing extensive but it's just like i noticed under the uh (laughs) dave's dave's trying not to make me jealous it's like no it's nothing extensive bro it's not that like i I was looking at the like the lineup for the band and then like under it it says like and thanks to you know doctor whoever for the for help with the photos of the surgical theater. Okay, so yeah, that was probably self-made gods. Uh, self-made god records reissued that on a few different yeah. formats. Um, and Mad Lion Records uh, from Poland issued that a few times. Um, so it's been, there's a few formats floating around out there, man. I'm gonna look around. Actually, maybe you got the October 1993 Morbid Records original 12 inch vinyl, man. You can put your kids through college on that. Um, I do not. Who it knows? does have, but but my my vinyl does have the uh, the self made god logo on it. So okay, got you, man. Um, yeah. So this is. I, I just thought this was such a wonderful album. I it occurred to me that it's it does remind me in some ways, like I said before, about general surgery and pathologists and those types of gore grind bands that are just that, I guess create a little bit more of an atmosphere and are a little bit more dark and cynical and sarcastic with what they do, man. So that that's kind of how I um feel about. It. Uh, so those are our overshadowed albums. Any closing thoughts on Dead Infection? No, I, I think I still like uh, Chapter of Accidents better than this, but mm. uh, this is a good album. That is, that's not the cult thing to say uh, nowadays. That's out, that's out of fashion to say that, Dave. I think I'm not sure. Maybe 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 it is. Um, what uh, what's the album after Chapter of Accidents? That's the one I actually like the most. I can't Brain Corrosion. It's a good album. I, I yeah. fucking love that album. That that album gets a lot more spins for me actually than uh than chapter. But uh, 
Well, this is. I'm bra- sorry. No, I was just gonna say brain corrosion was like almost ten years after chapter vaccines because they did just tons of splits, and um, they did that that silly covers EP uh, uh, throughout the '90s. Like they they put out a chapter of accidents, and then they just got really silly for a while. Yeah, I'm not really that familiar with the, like the the timeline of their releases, so I don't know, you know, how they kind of like what their direction was or which album came when, really. Well, I'm I'm looking on Metal Archives. Right, Brain Corrosion was 2004, and then Corpses of the Universe was 2008. Both of those were solid. I thought yeah. Corpses of the Universe was great. Um, and then I I don't really you know there was a few splits after that. They changed the lineup. I know at one point it was like. Uh, Siege and rest in peace, by the way, to, to the drummer Siege and longtime drummer and kind of the OG of the band Dead Infection who kept it going all those years. Siege and passed away just a few years ago, sadly. Um, so, you know, we, we owe him that respect to be having this conversation even. But he kept it going with the guys from Neuropathia. And if you want to go down that Polish gore grind wormhole, Neuropathia is um, a whole whole different... Um, uh, they're they're a whole different cowboy. So um, that's another band you can look up is Neuropathia, and they have, they eventually kept Dead Infection going. Some of those guys when there was a split. Um, so that's yeah, I guess that's pretty much it, man. We could talk about Dead Infection all night. I gotta say, Surgical Disembowelment is my favorite, and I love Chapter of Accidents. But I think I've kind of grown into this phase where I have this nostalgic love for for these albums that are so dark and creepy. So this surgical disembowelment does it for me, man. And the shout to Ralph from Haunted Hotel Records. Um, he allegedly sent me a sticker of the album cover of this at one point, man. So, yeah, I, I would, this is just like nice. one of my favorite album covers of all time. I would love to get that vinyl, Dave. So lock your door tonight. All right. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> all right, man. So, well... Um, speaking of come on over, I know some people that want you to come on over to some shows. Um, as we've been doing, we do a little concert calendar thing here. Um, I just jotted down a few, Dave, I don't know if you know of anything going on. Um, and feel free. I got a couple. Oh, all right. Oh, oh, do you do you? Okay. Um, Hey, shoot, go for it, man. I'm sorry. All All right. Well, the first one is, uh, I just saw that dying fetus is playing at the chance in Poughkeepsie. And uh, our friends Sickbay are uh, are huh. opening. Okay, Sickbay getting out there. They're doing a yeah. lot of shows. Okay, they're playing all over the place. And then uh, I just saw that Vomit Fourth is playing at the Empire Underground in Albany. On uh, oh I, I, shit, I never got the date for uh, the Dying Feet show. It's like September third, I think. I forgot to write it down, but um, sorry about that. The uh, <laughs> Vomit Fourth is playing at uh empire underground in albany new york on uh august 18th so those are the only uh that's what i got it's uh trying to spread the love for the the north of new york city people yeah vomit forth their album seething malevolence uh coming out very soon um there uh let me see hold on i want to make sure i get everything right here man sorry tom tom's gonna have to edit this for a minute but yeah you can look up vomit for they got vomitforth.downrightmerch.com uh they're on century media records that's what i was looking up seething malevolence the official video for that song um is out now you can check that out they're on century media records vomit forth a band uh from connecticut um with some connections to long island that you can explore in our interview with their drummer nick that we did quite some time ago now maybe it's time that we try to reach out and get some of those uh guys some of the other guys from the band on that was an interesting interview he, he shed a lot of light on this northeastern style of death metal that influences them a lot dave did you hear the new track by vomit forth uh, I heard the title track. I haven't heard anything else. 
I I I thought it was great. I enjoyed it a lot. And another thing I enjoyed, did you see the album cover? Uh I have, but I, I gotta say I haven't noticed it. Um what is it? Well, the album cover to me is kind of like a love letter to scattered remnants and um maybe like some of those other kind of like early uh, I would say, actually I would say late nineties um death metal records, like like when Deeds of Flesh and uh, you know, United Guttural Records and all those bands started having some really slick, uh, kind of typography, uh, and graphic work on their albums. Um, it's really it's if you see it, Dave, I think you'd appreciate the nod it gives to the late '90s graphic design. Uh, in right. some death metal yeah. circles, really, yeah, really cool band. Vomit Forth. I like what they're doing. I've always enjoyed what they're going for and the kind of specific style that influences them. Um, and they take it their their own direction. So good luck to them with Seething Malevolence, uh, that new album. Um, Dave, you want to take it away? You got any others? That's what I got. Okay, I got a whole bunch, bro. I don't know if you saw this. There's a tour coming up. Um, shout out to former guests of the show, Inoculation. Um, there's been an alluvial, I, I hope I pronounced that right. They're touring in support of Revocation and Crisian from Brazil. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever seen Crisian? Yeah, I have. I saw them at, I think it was BB Kings in, uh, in Times Square, like in like the, the early aughts or the late My 90s. My man, Dave with hate eternal and incantation. Uh, I was cryptopsy. Okay, maybe a different with. maybe a different time. I guess they were torn heavy because I saw them there with Hate Eternal and Incantation. I want to say there was one other band, but regardless, at BB Kings, BB Kings was popping in the early two thousands. Um, but Christian's still in the game. Two thousand twenty two from Brazil. That's K R I S I U N for the listeners. This is a classic band from Brazil that has been putting in blood, sweat, and tears in the game of death metal for. Probably like three decades. I know at least two decades. Um, and they're touring with Revocation. That needs no introduction to listeners of the show, I would hope. There's a li- there's an interview with Dave Davidson from quite some time ago. Might be time we, we get him back even. Um, and like I said, Alluvial and Inoculation. That's going to be a sick tour. That's hitting New York September the 13th. Um, besides that, uh, we got... August the third, if I don't know, Elder. You familiar with them from Massachusetts? Elder. Are they a doom band or a yes. stoner band or something? They're a little different. They do the stoner doom kind of. I, I, I can I can visualize. I can see the name in front of me, but I've never heard them. They're they're popping, man. They're out there. They're um they've been doing their thing. They got a few releases. Shout shout to Joel, uh, my cousin's friend. I I ever I saw him um the other day. He schooled me to this show, and I had to announce it. Elder from Massachusetts playing at Elsewhere in Brooklyn on the third of August. That's an interesting band. They get lumped in with the stoner doom doom metal thing but they're um they switch it up a lot they have really cool interesting songwriting they're not i don't want to say doom metal itself is boring but do i have a short attention span because i'm a very stupid man um which is why i prefer grindcore so uh doom metal bores me sometimes because doom metal is too smart for me that's a nice way to put it but elder does not bore me because they're very interesting with their songwriting they capture the imagination they have some weird uh uh experimental parts some cool melodic catchy parts they do everything so elder is playing it elsewhere in brooklyn the third of august that's worth a shot if you want to go out that night um the 30th of uh july coming up very soon saturday at um mr beery's plainview new york barely breathing fest uh anal birth maggot vomit afterbirth sulfuric coterie 
Um, so there's a band called Totally Tubular playing. I, I, I'm not familiar with them, but that's a great band name. They have an even better logo. It's, a, it's like a fest of gore noise and gore grind right here on Long Island in Nassau County. Um, Decibel Magazine had to Did you see that? The Decibel Magazine had a little write-up about it? No, that's pretty awesome if they did. It was basically the writer being really angry that he had to plug a Long Island show for like three power for like probably like three or four sentences more like and uh then listing like well the band's playing and the show information. It was great. They like definitely did not want to hype a Long Island show but kind of had to over a decibel. So shout out to them for doing it. Um barely that breathing poor man. fest. Yeah, no, he did not want to hype a Long Island show. He was very upset about it for this like a paragraph. They wrote a little paragraph about how much he did not want to write about Long Island. Um, so barely breathing fest, um, a festival of gore noise and gore grind and sickness with anal birth headlining here on Long Island. It's going to be amazing. You can go back and check out a few episodes we've done with Adam Rotella of anal birth. Uh, we had the guys from maggot vomit Afterbirth on here once, and we're going to have some of those other artists and some of the people involved with setting up behind the scenes on shout out to John Santiago. Um, and everyone else involved in that. So um, moving forward, the 29th of July, which is actually the day this episode is going to go up Friday. This Friday, if you're listening to this episode, the day it went up, uh, you can catch Caligula, classic New York uh, thrash band, technical, interesting thrash, kind of almost, in my opinion, proto-death metal in a way, band Caligula from New York, back after several years, uh, almost probably two decades, I think, um, they're going to be supported by Funeral Dancers. Shout to uh, Nick Louisi and the boys out there. Shout to both Nicks in that band, matter of fact, and everybody else holding it down. Um, that's at AMH tonight if you're listening to this episode when it's fresh and it goes up. Otherwise, we can't help you with that. Uh, the 12th of August, Stabbed, Wreath of Tongues, and many other bands playing Shaker's Pub. It's kind of a carnival atmosphere. There's going to be merch booths of all sorts set up. It's advertised as some sort of bachelor party. I don't know um, what's going on. I'm a little scared. But, yeah, the 12th of August out there at Shaker's Pub in Oakdale, Long Island. Stabbed and Wreath of Tongues, both former guests of the show. We've interviewed those guys, um, uh, Sam and Mark um, from Stabbed. And uh, shout out to Wreath the Tongue. So moving forward, the 6th of August, Incantation, Goat Whore, Bewitcher, um, and Caveman Cult are playing LPR in New York City. That's a hell of a tour there, Incantation and Goat Whore out on the road. You see that? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I do remember uh, seeing that. That's um, Goat Whore's great. I like a couple of their albums. Great band alive, right? Yeah, I think I think they have two or three albums. I can't remember, <laughs> dude. Incantation and Goat Whore are like two bands where you can kind of just pick any album, and you know it's it's not going to go bad for you. You know, you can have favorites and stuff, but they really don't disappoint if you know what they do. No, and they're good live. Like they're they're yeah they're those bands that that they're always on the road. Yeah, and be- you know, it's. Okay. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of you. But yeah, the Goat Whore definitely always on the road. Incantation, too. Um, uh, and Bewitcher and Caveman Cult, I got to check out. I'm not familiar with those bands. Heard of Caveman Cult, but I've never seen them or, or, or heard them. So I'm not sure what they sound like. But uh, I know they've been around for a while and they play a lot of shows. So I'm sure they're good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a tour going around. You can catch it. Uh, like I said, in New York on the sixth of August, or where you look, look them up. They're torn around. Um, the twenty sixth of August, Friday night, Rotrevor at St. Vitus, classic uh, long, classic 
um, Pennsylvania, Brutal Sewage, Death Metal Band, Rotrevor, and Long Island's Exsanguinated, uh, a band I'm in, um, as a matter of fact, uh, in support of that. I'm very grateful um, to be on that show, man. That's going to be a lot of fun that night, the 26th of August, uh, Friday. Rotrevor, man. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe that you could even catch Rotrevor in 2022. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, when what how, how, when did you first hear Rochevor? Do you have like the demos or something? No, I I feel like I heard the name uh at some point like in my in my high school years and uh one of the times when I was ordering from Relapse way way back when they had like a print uh, a print catalog. <laughs> yeah, the Relapse catalog. They had uh, a Rochevor 7-inch. Uh-huh. For sale and I got that and it was no, it was, it was good. It didn't really like, I think I didn't really get it first. Cause I was yeah. like, you know, it, it's when you, you don't really understand all the, all the various like subgenres and, and regional scenes, like regional sounds and stuff. So I was like, you know, it just said like something about brutal death metal or something or, and I, I picked it up and I was like, Oh, it doesn't sound like suffocation. So I kind of shelved it for a few <laughs> years. Yeah. I I'm the same way with, a, there's a lot of bands where I ended up getting into them about four or five years after I should have, you know? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a struggle, man. It's a lot of music out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man. A lot of shows, man. I'm just trying to get through. I got a few more I want to plug here. I saved my own bands um, for the end. Reeking Aura, um, our album. Uh, another thing, if you're listening to this on the actual Friday, the 29th, the day of the show, uh, our album Blood and Bone Meal will be coming out. Uh, July the 29th on Profound Lore Records. That's a band with most of Buckshot Facelift as well as Sam Sherrick on drums, who you know from Stabbed and Blame God and other bands, and Ryan Lipinski, mastermind guitarist. Uh, you might know him from Unearthly Trance and other bands he's been in. Um, we're, we're, all, we're all together uh, in there. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a great honor to be in that band with those guys. We've been looking forward to this album for a while coming out. We've put it together. Um, over the last two or three years for you guys. Uh, it's been a slow-going process, so we're just really happy for this. You can follow us on social media. And like I said, um, we have uh, our, our album release show. It's a matinee show, so get there early at 1 p.m. at Amityville Music Hall. And something special, um, Gray Skies Fallen playing with Oceans of Slumber at St. Vitus the same night. That's the 3rd of September. Um, the 3rd of September, 1 p.m., Amityville Music Halls uh, in Amityville, Long Island, Reeking Aura record release show. Um, and then uh, two members of Reeking Aura, Tom and Rick, will be skating over to to Brooklyn, New York, to play at St. Vitus uh, in their other band, Gray Skies Fallen, supporting Oceans of Slumber. Um, so that's a big day for the whole crew, man. We're, we're going to be um, rolling as a big squad. I might have to take a shower between shows. I might even have to take a nap. We'll see how see how that Reeking Ore show goes. But um, uh, we're all going to be out there. 1 p.m. matinee show, uh, Amityville, New York at Amityville Musical, Reeking Ore record release. And then Brooklyn, New York, St. Vitus uh, at a regular nighttime show, Gray Skies Falling and Oceans of Slumber. Whole crew is going to be out that day. We're looking forward to that one, man. Um, so... I don't know, Dave, anything else? Uh, any other shows or events that you know about? Uh, you know, Cannibal Corpse is touring later in the year. Don't, I just thought of that. Don't remind me of that dope fucking tour that's not coming anywhere near us. Well, it's, yeah, it, it's uh, Cannibal Corpse, Dark Funeral, Immolation, oh. and Black <laughs> Anvil are touring the States. 
and I got really excited because I was going to go see them in Albany because I have a friend that lives up near there. So it's a, it's a good excuse to go. Yeah. And then I looked at my stupid work schedule and I'm, I'm like, I have like a bunch of work booked that week. So I can't go yeah. to Albany because it's like a two hour drive for me. What's the Albany so, date? It's uh, November 4th. November 4th. You know, I might even catch myself up in Albany. Dude, it's just such a dope tour. You don't have to skip any bands. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing tour. Like you look at all these tours, it's kind of like looking at um. You ever you ever you know I like the it's like the meme like on they did it on the Office and sometimes they do it in movies where someone's waiting for the uh you know the screensaver on the TV that kind of pings to each uh-huh. you know and then you're waiting for it to kind of perfectly hit the corner of the TV and that's like the spe- you know that's you know you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about everyone's waiting for that everyone's waiting do, for yeah. one of these to- you know everyone's like looking at it and it's like uh you know three hot death metal bands but there's a metal metalcore band opening a couple of cool bands napalm death oh but there's a deathcore band on there i don't like da 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 up da. Oh, suicide silence is on it and then finally they hit the corner they got cannibal corpse and dark funeral right there dude i'm sorry dark funeral is sick my like dark funeral is a great fucking black metal band. They're, they 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 do it right. They did it right. They still do it right. Cannibal Corpse is Cannibal Corpse. And then who do you want to throw on top? Immolation and Black Anvil just to sweeten the deal. Some New York, some down to earth New York guys ready to mix it up. I, Dude, I, how many times have Cannibal Corpse and Immolation toured together? I feel like they every time either of them has an album, they each do at least one tour together. It's like they should all just start like a super group or something. They keep yeah, they keep it in the family, dude. It's it's a this is a super group, this tour. That's what I'm saying, man. Like I would just like all of our listeners to be aware of this tour and look it up and see when it comes to your area. I, I dude, I might have to go up there to Albany. I might have to go up to the Capitol. Um Jeez. That that's yeah, this, so that that's a pretty amazing tour going on. Dark Funeral, man. Are you familiar with them? Do you listen to them? You know, that's one of those bands that I, I know that they're good and I just for whatever reason I've never gotten around to listening to more than like a couple of songs at a time. They they let they lay it on thick, but but it's good. You know, it's it's black metal. You know what I mean? It's black metal, but it's it black metal that's is, yeah. black metal that's kind of accessible for the brutal death metal and grindcore community. It's you know what I mean? It, it's it's very blast beat heavy, right? Yeah, it's brutal. It's blast beat heavy. It's kind of catchy. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's you know it, like you know like there's the black metal with the with the bug zapper guitars and then the sketchy politics and all that sort of thing that you know people people do that I'm kind of over here and every once in a while I want to put down the dehumanized and the dead infection and listen to a black oh dark funeral that's that's a good black metal album that's all I'm saying so uh, yeah you had to you had to put me there because we talked I think we talked about that last week but it's it's good that people are aware of it man and I might have to drive somewhere and um check that out because that's a monster of a tour Cannibal Corpse still in the game. I mean that's impressive right there too. All Cannibal Corpse emulation still in the game. That's cool, you know. Yeah, no, I mean all all good bands, all Road Dogs. You know they they play live a lot. They all have a lot of albums. I, there's no bad side to that tour. <sighs> it's like that um, I just like I'm I, admiring it like a like a national monument or or like a butterfly or something. It's just a beautiful tour. I do remember uh, when you were talking about the metalcore bands in the lineup like i think it was the last time cannibal corpse came through my friend paul was trying to get me to go see them like somewhere at like some random venue in manhattan on the west side and yeah. i looked at the, the the lineup and it was like cannibal corpse like maybe one other band that's like vaguely death metal and then mm-hmm. the rest of like the the one or two other bands on the lineup were uh were actually metalcore and i was just like i can't do that it's it'd be like such a waste of time and money for me to go to a show like that 
you know, there's just, there's just, and maybe this is just me being the old guy too again. You know what I mean, man? But yeah, there's just, and a lot of concerts are expensive. They're expensive nowadays, man. Especially these big package tours, you know, and the venues. You got to pay $8 for a fucking can of Heineken or whatever. You know, I mean, if I'm going to go to one of these events, man, I'm only, well, here, here's the one that I did splurge a little bit. Um, shout out to my cousin, Rog. As a birthday present for him, we're going to the uh, Judas Priest in Queensryche, October 18th at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, that's the other show for the show calendar. Um, Judas Priest, October eighteenth. Yeah, and, and Queens Reich, man. That's you know, again, it's that's a that's a it's a touchy subject for people who are who, who are sticklers about original members only in their bands. Because I I think between Queens Reich and Judas Priest, you got like two or three original guys left. Um, but it, but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, like two two guys in Judas Priest, I think, and. Fuck, I don't know about Queensryche. It's just like the, the the tour manager. Que- Queensryche, <laughs> it's just the original manager. <laughs> no, Queensryche, it's just uh, the guitarist Michael Wilton and the bassist Eddie Jackson, and that's it's it's them and the kids. <laughs> They're taking the kids on the road, man. But I don't care. Todd Latore's the man. He did it. You know, Todd Latore wrote wrote some great and recorded some great material with them. He's proven himself. Uh, you know, I mean, we go on the Queensryche road a lot on on the podcast, but I'll say it again, man. I'm looking forward to this and Judas Priest too, man. You know, I I get it. People are stickers for the original. I'm from the death metal scene where you're lucky if a lineup lasts one one or two albums. You know what I mean, man? Like we just talked about the humanized. We probably saw six or seven different singers between albums. You know, it's just well, how the death metal scene rolls. Judas Priest is kind of like the cannibal corpse of the morbid angel of heavy metal, and uh. I mean, those bands, even they, they change lineups every, even every four albums, they get like a new somebody. So yeah, it, it happens, man. You know, you can't make money playing metal. Look at Deicide, man. And they just put out a, is that, was that a bootleg I saw? Or they, they were, weren't they just torn or they did MDF and they played, uh, what they play Legion? Yeah. They, uh, I know they did tour, but I'm not sure what they, what they were promoting or what they were pushing. Maybe it was a bootleg, but I could have sworn I saw they put out a live album just recently, like uh, with the, with the new lineup or something. Man, maybe I'm maybe like I'm bugging. Satisfying the record label or the record uh, contract. I, w- I was thinking more live album. Well, I was thinking more with them doing Legion. It was like to solidify, you know, their 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 beef with the Hoffman brothers. <laughs> maybe that's just my imagination, man. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm looking up their uh, their discography. Maybe I'm bugging, man. Well, no, 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 I'm wrong. I'm wrong. The last album they put out was the Overtures of Blasphemy album in 2018. Uh, that was on Century Me. You remember that album? Did you hear that? Uh, I remember you talking about it. I, I never actually got around to listening to it. It's, it's, uh, it's good. It's great. I enjoyed it, man. It was uh, a little faster paced. Uh, you know, just, I mean, obviously every DSI album is faster paced, but it's, you know, like in terms of songwriting, it's, I, I felt like there was kind of like a very old school kind of crossover you know like like the kind of thrash that's influenced by punk hardcore influence it's very fast uh very moshy a lot of cool solos it's catchy it's you know it's it's not like a a tech death dsi album it's an angry fast catchy dsi album and i thought it was good um it i i really enjoyed that and I, i'm just reading now it was actually their only album to feature guitarist mark english of monstrosity who replaced jack owen i don't know how much of the writing mark english might have had to do with that but it almost makes sense because um monstrosity another band that kind of has that slayer death metal vibe you know what i mean so yeah just very like i'll say this about um 
uh, Overtures of Blasphemy, the latest uh, Deicide album from 2018. I enjoyed it because it was like uh, extremely Florida. It had that old school Florida vibe that kind of brings us first for full circle. When we remember we were talking about Abominations of Desolation by Morbid Angel. Um, yeah, I, there's like there's there's a little bit of a, a connection there because like the the that Deicide album is kind of old school. That's that you know that's what it is, man. It has a very old school, true to the roots Florida vibe to it. So. Go back and check that out, man, for you and the listeners, man. But um, uh, yeah, I think that I think Dave. Any other shows or thoughts on Deicide before I close it out, buddy? Ah, I don't think so. Fair enough. A man, a few words. Sometimes you even let your cat get a few in, uh, as we learned today. But we we love your. What are your cats' names, man? You, 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 your cats have introduced themselves. Let us know a little bit, uh, you know, for your cats for the heavy hole lore guys. All right. Well, I got Gramps. She's like 10 years old. Then I got Bootsy, who is two or three. <laughs> Bootsy. And little, Littles, who is the smallest one. I think she's two. Okay, I like it. All right, three cats. That's bold. Um, I just still have Tommy, who was named by my father. Um, not after the Who album either, which would have been slightly cool, I guess. But he, yeah, he's he's really old up in here. He just he mainly just chills in my room. He lounges between like an area under a bookshelf that he, that he likes to sleep in and a windowsill that he likes to look at birds through. He's good. We hook him up with the fancy feast. Don't worry about him. Um, he's still he's very traumatized. He doesn't like me. Because I kidnapped him one day uh, and took him to a place where they yanked out a tooth, but otherwise he would have died. So he's not into the veterinarian. We're still getting over that. Um, but that's the end of the the, the, the the kitty corner here on the heavy hole. We did the concert calendar. We did the kitty corner. Um, I urge you to check out Deicide Overtures of Blasphemy because you just brought back memories of how cool that album is. I think I, re- I re- recommended it on an older episode. So we hope you appreciate the um, uh, classic heavy hole flavor we brought you this evening. Not only with these recommendations, some of which we've rehashed a little bit from uh, previous episodes. Um, we reminded you to check out Mike Browning's interview that we did uh, uh, almost a year ago for some more controversial uh, opinions on that Abominations of Desolation quote-unquote demo album. And we talked about how Will doesn't like having fun or a sense of humor uh, tonight, which was a big theme in early Heavy Hole podcast episodes. Uh, if you want more of this type of banter, bonus episodes, and recommendations, you can check us out on Patreon. Um, and if anybody from the $10 tier wants a couple of bucks back, please reach out. We're doing away with the $10 tier. It's only $5 across the board now, and you get whatever bonuses and clips we put up there monthly. Uh, we appreciate your support very much. Heavyholepodcast.com and the social medias you can go on. Uh, and I, I think that about does it. You can look forward to interviews on the Heavy Hole Podcast in the future. But, Dave, I thank you. This was great, man. Um, it was nice having an old-fashioned conversation where we could nerd out on death metal. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I could I could talk all night. <laughs> well, we will, man, because I got about five more albums. Uh, more, I got five more overshadowed albums that we're going to talk about uh, as soon as we stop recording because these are too cold for the listeners, all right? I'm about to hit you with the first one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.